You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. I encourage you to visit the website, thedivorcedchristian.com, thedivorcedchristian.com. The book is now available. All the information that I will be teaching will come from the book. It was so much information um, that I probably will be sharing more and elaborating more on the podcast show. But the basis of what I will be teaching will come from the book. If you're interested in purchasing the book, it's available on Amazon. The title of the book is The Divorced Christian by Darius Good. It is available as an ebook, so you could download it to your Kindle as well. That information is there on the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. Also, if you visit the website, you will find a free PDF of the book. What I did was I made chapter one and chapter 14 available for free. You can read it on the website or you can download it to your computer or to your iPhone. And you can read through chapter 14 because I believe chapter 14 is probably one of the most important chapters as we deal with um, these verses that Jesus stated that the Christian community, the, the church, uses as our basis and foundation for our teachings on divorce. So I will go through and I'll explain the law of Moses and where Jesus was really teaching the law of Moses, where most Christian teachings on the subject does not realize um, we are unfamiliar with the law of adultery. We are definitely unfamiliar with the law regarding adulterous marriages, which is really what Jesus was discussing in that conversation. And so on today, we're going to look at chapter 14 of the book, The Divorced Christian. Download the, pre, the free PDF today or purchase the book. Um, but we're going to look at uh, one of the sections in chapter 14, which I entitled Mosaic Laws on Adultery. So today's episode, episode 26, is entitled Only Women Could Commit Adultery. Only Women Could Commit Adultery. The Mosaic Law was established by God. When they came out of Exodus, out of Egypt, God required Moses to establish the law for the nation of Israel to live by. And of course, we are familiar with the law of Moses. Most of us are taught the Ten Commandments. Most people are not familiar with the fact that there are a total of 613 laws. Now, one of the laws, a part of the Mosaic law, was thou shalt not commit adultery. One of the laws, a part of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. As with any law, when the law is broken, there has to be a penalty that is attached to the law. So when it comes to the laws of driving, if you uh, run through a stop sign, there is a law attached to that act. The law will state what the penalty might be. 
And it might differ if it's, uh, it might be a ticket, but if a person has broken this law multiple times, then the law might differ in those cases. Every law has a penalty attached to it, whether it's a fine, whether it's jail time, um, there's some sort of penalty or consequence for breaking the law. When it comes to the law of adultery, according to the law of Moses, the requirement for breaking the law of adultery, the requirement for being found guilty for breaking the law of adultery was death. The punishment was death. If a man and a woman were caught in the act of adultery, they were required to be put to death. Let me highlight this as well. A sin offering could not be, be presented to the priest for adultery. So you couldn't say, you know what? I messed up. You're right. I got caught. I uh, admit to my wrong and I'm requesting to bring a sin offering to the priest for my act of adultery. That would not have been permitted. Sin offerings were only permitted for sins that were committed in ignorance. Now, just so you know, there were times adultery was committed in ignorance. That's a different chapter in this book. We will not cover that on today, but I do have a chapter. I believe it's entitled um, Exceptions to the Law of Adultery. And at some point, we are going to get into that. We'll share that here on the podcast show. If you're antsy, go on and purchase the book today. So, Sin offerings were not permitted for uh, breaking God's law, breaking God's commandments um, on purpose. You had to suffer the consequence. So a sin offering was never permitted for sins committed in ignorance. And we find this law reiterated several times throughout the scripture regarding adultery. So we have Exodus 20, verse 14, thou shalt not commit Adultery. In Leviticus 18:20, it says, Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. Leviticus 20, verse 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. So now we're finding written in the law, in the Torah, in the mitzvah, the commandment or the penalty for the act of breaking this law pertaining to adultery. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. So the requirement of a man and a woman found guilty of adultery was death. If the woman was taken by force, that's a whole different law. So now we're talking about consensual uh, relationship between a man and a woman. As I stated, today's episode is entitled Only Women could commit adultery. If you go back to the law, you will find 
written in the language that the law of adultery primarily applied to women. When I've taught this in, in teaching settings um, at my church, I've expressed this to other, uh, to other people, they tend to get mad with the law, mostly the women, get upset. Why did the law only apply to women? Why not men? And we'll get into that as we move forward in understanding the law of Moses. All of this is so critical to understanding what Jesus was teaching when he made his statements in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 19. So let's go back. The law of Moses concerning adultery primarily applied to a married woman. If a married man had sex with a woman outside of his marriage, so another woman beside his wife, it was not considered adultery. Adultery only applied to women that were married. And when it came to the woman, she couldn't have sex with any man. Under Jewish law, married men are considered adulterers only if they have an affair with a married woman. So that's if he's a married man or if he's a single man. If he is involved with a married woman, then he is an adulterer. When in regards to the woman, the woman is an adulteress no matter the status of the man, whether he is a married man or a single man. When it comes to the man, if he is married and he has a relationship with a woman that is not married, then he is not an adulterer. And it's important that we understand these finite details of the law of Moses because it is tied into New Testament teachings. It's very interesting that this law, the way it's applied, remains the same today. And so I found this article um, in JewishEncyclopedia.com. They provide this definition, sexual intercourse of a married woman with any man other than her husband is really defined as adultery. The crime can be committed only by and with a married woman. For the unlawful intercourse of a married man with a unmarried woman is not technically adultery in Jewish law. Now, under the biblical law, the detection of actual sexual intercourse was necessary to establish the crime. Let me say that again. The detection of actual sexual intercourse was required in order to establish the crime. Now, the reason the woman could not be involved, the married woman could not be involved with any other man other than her husband was because of the ceremony, the marriage ceremony, the wedding. It established that the woman was set apart for her husband alone, no other man. Why is this important? Because the law lays for us a foundation of understanding New Testament uh, laws, New Testament practices, things that God put in place regarding his church. Remember this, always think this, the woman always represents the church. The woman always represents the bride of Christ. So during the wedding ceremony, the woman 
The bride has been set apart only for her husband. No other man can touch her. No other man can have her. Guess what? When we got saved, we became a part of the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, the woman in the earth, the bride that is waiting for the husband to return. So we are already in uh, the betrothal covenant phase. We've come into agreement. We've entered into the marriage. So we see the practice of Jewish traditions uh, outlined in New Testament teachings in in regards to the relationship between Jesus and the church. We have the, the parable of the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. These women waiting for the trumpet to be blown and the announcement that the husband is coming to take the bride. The marriage relationship began with an agreement which was called the ketubah. Once that agreement was signed, it was, it was drafted by the scribes, signed in the presence of two witnesses, their marriage relationship began at that point. Let's use Mary and Joseph as an example. When Mary signed her ketubah and Joseph signed his ketubah, at that point, they became married. She was off limits to any other man, even though they had not had a wedding ceremony yet, which is why when she was found with child, uh, Joseph struggled with what should I do because... According to the law of Moses, he should have put her away. He should have divorced her. She violated their ketubah. And based on their marriage agreement, he could have gone with legal evidence and said, this was our agreement. She was a virgin when I met her. At this point, she has been found with child and she's violated our agreement. And then the penalty of such would have been uh, bestowed by the the priests. Um, They would have ruled on this case. Mary more than likely would have been put to death as a result of signing the ketubah. If she had not, a sign, had not signed that agreement and had gotten pregnant, everything would have been fine there according to the law of Moses. Let me say this in advance, and we're going to get into this more detail. When a young woman, a young Jewish woman, ended up pregnant and had a baby out of wedlock, that child was not considered a bastard. And I'm purposely using this term. I know some find it offensive, but it's a biblical term and it's important because there's a difference between an illegitimate child and a bastard. That child was viewed as a, as a Jewish baby. So they're not, not uh, separate. Even if the father was a Gentile, the baby was viewed as Jewish. So they weren't... Um, that baby did not suffer the penalty of the label of a bastard, which is really a legal court-established status that affects that child's inheritance. That's why that is critical that we understand the definition, these definitions, and they're applied correctly. I've watched Christian teachers use Western laws to teach the Bible. And we say things like once the man and the woman were married, then that child went from being illegitimate to now a legal child. That is not true according to the Bible, not true according to Jewish customs and laws. 
So if we're going to apply scripture, we got to stay within the Torah, the laws that were established. Paul does not deviate from this in his teachings. And so this is critical in New Testament when he talks about how we are chastised as children of God. But when we refuse his chastisement, then we are bastards. You got to go back to the law of Moses to understand the fullness of what Paul is teaching. So back to our understanding in regards to adultery. Adultery, when a woman was set apart from her husband, she could not be touched by any other man. The bride of Christ cannot enter into a relationship with anyone else. No other God, have no other God before me. Then God says in, in, uh, in one of the chapters, he says, you cannot serve mammon and serve God. We can't have a divided heart and mind. The book of James states, a undivided or a divided man or a double-minded man, two minds, can't decide. They are unstable in all of his ways. So we see this throughout the scriptures, the importance of us being, being single-hearted, giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord. This was the requirement of the woman, the bride. And so we see this established in their natural customs, and we can see it translated also in our spiritual understanding of our walk with God. So let me say this about the crime of adultery being primarily a married woman crime. Leviticus 18, verse 20, and you see this in the scripture, I just highlight the language. When it comes to understanding law, you have to look at the language. And, or, but, words like these, these words changes the sentence. It changes what's permitted. If you have a bank account and you state um, the husband's name or the wife's name, then you don't require both signatures. You require one signature or the other. But if you put and, then every time you write a check, then it's going to require the signature of the man and the woman. And so the language when it comes to legality, when it comes to court, it's very important. This is how the nation of Israel looks at the Torah, Moses' law. I'm encouraging us as Christians to look at the law with such detail. That's why I'm highlighting whenever Jesus talked to the Pharisees and Sadducees, these were legal conversations. These were legal debates that they were having. So in Leviticus 18.20, moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife. This is a woman that is married. And then he says, to defile thyself with her. Verse, uh, let's go to the next verse, Leviticus 20, verse 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife. And once again, a woman that is married. Even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife. The adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Deuteronomy 22, 22, if a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband. Once again, we have a married woman. So the law of adultery does not apply to women that were widowed. It doesn't apply to women that were divorced. Does not apply to single women. The law of adultery only applies to married women. It's important we understand that. 
in order for a man to be an adulterer, according to the law of Moses, he would have had to have relations with a woman that has a legal binding ketubah. She's married, like in the case of Mary. So we find these examples in the scripture where the laws are being applied. I know a lot of this is not just spelled out for us, but we can see in the stories why such details are critical and important. These sort of details completely changes the scripture. So now let's apply that law to Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Jesus stated, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, we love as the church to teach on this scripture because God judges the heart. But what we do not do is apply the actual law. Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. Jesus is talking to Jews. They all know the law, so there was no need for him to go into uh, lengthy detail. But we really misteach the scripture because the law of adultery only applies to married women. So now, when Jesus makes a statement, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery, the idea of the law of adultery means Jesus is talking about women that are married. So for clarity, whosoever looketh on a married woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This is the only way the law of adultery could be applied is that it is applied when a woman that is married is a part of the equation. So now, We've looked at the consequence of a man and a woman being found guilty of adultery, which was they had to be put to death. Um, one portion I read, it said they were either stoned or they were strangled. And this was done in the presence of the entire community to help them understand that such behavior was not permitted in the nation of Israel. If you look at the story of Jesus, they were still following the law of Moses when they brought the woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. So we can see it clearly in the scriptures as they are keeping and observing the law of Moses. So in the case of a suspicion of adultery, and I think we've covered this in detail here on the podcast show, I just want to highlight, um, there's a Hebrew word, sota, S-O-T-A-H, and it is connected to the law of jealousy, and you will find this in Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5. And it is believed that during Jesus' time that the priests were no longer following this particular um, practice as outlined by Moses. And I think we went into it more detail. I don't want to cover it in length on today. But the, if a man suspected his woman of having adultery... He could not have sex with his wife because it would defile him. So now, because she's been with another man. So now he was required to bring her to the priest, at which point they would basically conduct this service to prove her innocence or prove her guilt. 
And the scripture talks about the thigh rotting out, um, the, the swelling of the abdomen. There's a lot of back and forth debates regarding um, what transpired, what that meant. Some believe that the act caused the woman who was pregnant by another man to lose the baby. Um, others felt that this was just some sort of physical um, consequence of her sin. I'm not sure if the woman was actually put to death. I couldn't find clarity as I read through the, the, the research of understanding the law of Sota. I will encourage you to, to Google it, look it up. Um, just take a look at these laws because it's going to help you understand New Testament much better. But I, what was very interesting regarding the law of Sota was that the man in some circumstances was required by the priest to go to the wife if he was concerned about a particular man. And he had to make this statement to her. Now, I don't share this in chapter 14. I do cover it in another chapter. But he has to tell the wife that she is not permitted to have any dealings with that man. Now, the law required her, the man, to have this conversation with his wife in the presence of two witnesses. If he did not do that, and she was found um, having dealings with this man, she's not guilty of suspicion of adultery. If the man made the statement to the wife and there was no witnesses present, then it's not, it was not legally or a legal um, supported statement that could be made to the court where they would say that the husband was in the right. They had steps, they had rules in place. And it's interesting, some of these rules and laws really protected the women. How does this help the women? If her husband tried to divorce her on the grounds of suspicion of adultery, and she, if she was found guilty, she would lose her ketubah. But if he didn't follow the law, then he had to pay her exactly what he had promised her before they got married. Remember, the ketubah outlined their agreement for divorce, what he was going to pay her. She was going to receive what was rightfully hers because he didn't follow the law. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.